Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have some revenge stories that you have sent me. Yes. It's pretty good. It says, I used to have a terrible work schedule. I had I would have to wake up at 2.30 a.m. every morning and would have to be at work by 4 a.m. My downstairs neighbors would blare their loud music at all hours of the night, and I could feel the bass through my mattress. I went downstairs and politely asked them to turn the music down, and they seemed to kindly agree. As soon as I got back into bed, they would turn it up even louder and kept it going until 1.30. Bunch of assholes. Yeah. They didn't know who they were messing with. (laughs) Before I left work at 3.30 a.m., I turned over my amplifier so the speaker was facing the floor. I turned the volume up and set my guitar on top of it and left for my 12-hour shift. The feedback was still screaming when I came home. The neighbors never blasted their music again. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's great. (laughs) Fucking assholes. Uh, We lived in a neighborhood of townhouses. One neighbor would let her dogs go number two all over everyone's lawn, and she never picked it up. We tried asking her to be more considerate, but she didn't listen. We even tried picking up the mess for her and putting it on her doorstep, but she still refused to do it. So my one neighbor decided to get a piece of it and smear it all over the front of her house. After that, she started picking it up. (laughs) Probably probably a good move. (laughs) My mom's neighbor called the city on my mom to force her to repair the fence that divided their yards. This lady had always been a crabapple for 10 plus years, but this move really ticked off my mom. The fence did need a few mild repairs, and my mom would have done them right away if the neighbor just talked to her about it. She was already in the process of getting quotes. The city contacted my mom and told her that she needed to maintain her fence. My mom asked if she had to have a fence by law, and the person she talked to could already sense where this was going. Turns out there are rules about maintaining a fence, but she was not required to have one, so my mom paid a contractor to tear it down entirely. The neighbor came to talk to my mom and asked when the new fence would be built. My mom replied, if you want a fence, build it yourself. A couple weeks later, my mom had a nice new fence courtesy of her annoying neighbor. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Those people, I don't understand why they have to be that way. I know. I don't get it. And they're everywhere. It's it's like they live off of the drama, like they want that. Yeah. And I don't, I could never understand that in my life. Uh, Next one, my grandmother had a neighbor who refused to help her repair the fence between their properties. It was still fully functional as a boundary line, but it was falling apart. Any conversation about fixing the fence ended up with him saying that he was on her property, that it was on her property, so it must be her responsibility to repair it. Uh, She took a fall and was hospitalized for a few weeks. Upon her return, she found a new fence built an extra five feet into her property and a bill in the mail from my neighbor, from her neighbor. She, he argued with her for months that, he, that she still owed him, saying that the original fence was actually on his property and that where it was now was the boundary line. So my grandmother got a surveyor, and surprise, the neighbor had taken five feet of her yard. At that point, she was already very old and frail and, tr- and tired of fighting her neighbor. But she had an ingenious way of getting her revenge. 
She planted blackberries along the back of the fence within two years it was covered. Every year she'd walk the fence and throw seeds over because, of course, it was still her yard. After five years of fighting, the blackberries had reclaimed her property. She's been gone for a few years now, but the blackberries remain, and it's her way of haunting her neighbor. He tried ripping the ones up on his side of the fence on numerous occasions, but the plants reseed themselves and grow back every year from her side. (laughs) You go, Grandma. (laughs) Next one, my great-grandfather was one of the last people in town to get indoor plumbing, and as such, he had an outhouse in his backyard. Every year on Halloween, the neighborhood kids would come into his yard and knock over the building, exposing the cesspit. He got tired of it, so one year, the night before Halloween, he moved the building forward and covered the, the pit with burlap, disguising it with leaves and grass clippings. Oh, God. In the dark, it was almost impossible to tell where it was. On Halloween night, he sat in the outhouse and waited. It wasn't long after sundown when he heard the wet splat outside <laughs> as a couple of kids fell into the muck. He lowered a ladder into the cesspit for them and said they could leave, but only if they promised never to mess with his outhouse again. (laughs) The kids honored their promise and even spread the word around the neighborhood not to mess with the outhouse anymore. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) My dad was talking to our neighbor about what color he should paint the house, and he said as a joke, well, I might as well paint the old house blue. The neighbor became angry and responded, You can't do that. A blue house? How stupid and annoying. Don't be dumb. And that's how I grew up in a blue house. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell someone they can't do something. How dumb are you? (laughs) (laughs) I was visiting my aunt a couple years ago in Arizona. She lives outside of Phoenix. Her next door neighbors have three or four kids who are super annoying. There was a brick wall dividing their backyards, and such is common for the area. Upon my arrival, I found out that the kids next door were throwing things over the wall for fun. Not just harmless things like twigs or pebbles, but rocks, toys, garbage, and even knives. My aunt's family had to keep their trampoline on the other side of the yard so it wouldn't get stuff thrown onto it. I asked my aunt about it, and she said that she talked to the parents, but they still kept throwing stuff. So that night, I went online and filed a report with their address. A couple days later, the neighbors left a note at the front door with a long apology that basically said it won't happen again, and it pretty much stopped after that. Hmm. When I was really young, our neighbor demanded we move our septic tank because he claimed it was partially on his property. He was a complete jerk about it and just kept hounding us to do it. My dad's a really laid-back person, but eventually, even he got annoyed. So one day, he had the property line surveyed, Turns out, not only was our septic tank on our own property, not his, but the corner of the guy's house and part of his driveway was actually on our land. My dad spent the next few months asking him when he was going to move his house. (laughs) (laughs) People are just assholes. They would have never found that out if you just kept your fucking mouth shut. Exactly. And like, what? What? Why? Why? It's like, you know, okay, my next door neighbor, he is anal about his yard and shit. And he will, you know, edge Mm. right on my sidewalk. Yeah. And I always wonder, it's like, I wonder if that's where the, you know, the property line ends, you know. But I've never looked it up or, Uh. you know, I don't, 
he's not doing anything bad no you know it's like if he wants to edge it go fucking ahead i don't give a shit (laughs) seriously (laughs) although at one point it was a freaking canyon it was it was bad and i could have broken ankle (laughs) it was really bad his son finally talked to him and like uh you need to fix that it was like a foot wide (laughs) it was yeah well it kept eroding over the years yeah and so he had to he had to fill it back in and he did you know and it's you know it's all good yeah exactly it's not anything to get worked up over (laughs) no okay my grandpa's neighbor's septic tank started leaking in his backyard ew He repeatedly asked him to fix the septic tank and clean up the mess in his backyard, but he completely brushed him off. So my grandpa took matters into his own hands. He rigged up a plumbing, quote-unquote, system in his yard and installed an upright PVC pipe that pointed at the neighbor's backyard over the fence. (laughs) I don't know how the system worked. I was only eight years old. This happened in the early 90s, but it was set up to spray the neighbor's own septic waste over the fence and into the neighbor's beautifully polished yard. And just like that, the neighbors fixed fixed the septic tank. Imagine that. They remained enemies until my grandpa died a couple decades later. (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> people are just assholes they really it's are. like eh, it doesn't bother me yeah so it's not my problem whatever Ugh. well guess that's what? what you got to make it bother them that's exactly and, and that's bullshit exactly my old boss had a problem with tipsy kids taking his mother's mailbox he got tired of replacing them so he told me to go there and make sure whatever hits it doesn't keep going I bought a six-foot-long steel post with under three feet sticking out of the ground, then poured concrete around it and installed the mailbox. The next tipsy kid that hit hit it never got a chance to take out the rest of the mailboxes on the street. Well, that's good. <clears throat> the rich brats next door were throw, always throwing loud parties whenever my mom and dad went out of town for a few days, which was often. One Sunday morning, I did a quick inspection of the property and found a bunch of litter that had been left in the street or thrown into the grass the worst part is there was a public bus stop at the corner of the street so we started getting complaints that night around midnight i gloved up collected a bunch of a bunch of them then snuck into the neighbor's yard and scattered them around the pool the garage and the back door where mom was sure to see them when she got home (laughs) there were no more parties (laughs) and my last one beehives Putting them up is allowed where I live, and I've had them for over 10 years. They don't bother anyone, and most of my neighbors love them as they are good for gardens, and they get free honey. However, one of my neighbors who moved in five years ago does have a problem with them, apparently. She's called the council and the authorities too many times to count, and they all say to her the same thing. They're allowed, they're not annoying anyone, and the bees were here first. So she tried to take matters into her own hands, whilst tipsy she jumped the fence in the middle of the night with a can of fly spray it was very dark so she accidentally jumped into my neighbor's yard instead (laughs) their very large guard dogs messed her up and pretty much destroyed the gardens boats sheds car windows trying to get away from them when officers arrived at the scene she admitted that she had tried to poison my bees went into the wrong yard she tried to sue me saying if i wasn't trying to poison poison her bees none of this would have happened and the officers just laughed at her they threw the book at her and now 
My neighbors are suing her for all the damage she caused. She is now beyond broke. The bees are still there. When I hand out free honey around the neighborhood every few months, I always make sure she is around watching me, and I intentionally don't give her any. Other neighbors tell me they regularly mention my bees around her just to see her lose her cool. (laughs) (laughs) Those were funny. I like revenge stories. Yes, I do too. All right, so um, these are just scary stories. These are the ones that are left over that I started last week. Okay. It's the 80s. It's Halloween on a weekday, and I, being the oldest and a girl, am responsible for taking two younger brothers trick-or-treating, along with two young sons of my parents' friends. My parents and the kids' parents are at our house playing cards and smoking cigarettes. Having had a lot of babysitting responsibilities and chores that my younger brothers did not have, plus missing out on going trick-or-treating with friends, I was definitely bitter and ill-tempered throughout the evening. Because it's a school night, we're just doing three blocks of my street and heading home. We make it down one side and back down the other and are about three houses from home when we get to the house of an elderly woman who lives alone and never gives out candy. But for the past couple months, she's been renting the basement to some guy. I've seen him around a few times and he either ignores me or yells at me for riding my bike on the sidewalk, though he did seem to be pleasant and say hello to my brothers. So the guy's on the sidewalk with another guy. There's a folding table set up and there's a notebook on it. The men tell us that they don't have candy, but they're giving away prizes for anyone who goes through their haunted house. As they're explaining this, a few boys my age from my school show up and ask what the prizes are. They list pocket knives, baseball cards, and the grand prize is a BB gun. The men tell them they need to fill out their names, age, address, phone numbers, and when it's a good time to contact parents to get permission for the prizes. The boys fill out their info quickly, and honestly, at that point in my life, I was excited about all those prizes too. Basically, all the houses on our street were the same. I knew the layout of the basement, and I did not have to believe the haunted house could possibly be that scary. My brothers and the other two little boys were also excited to do it. I filled out my own info along with my brothers and we're all about to head around back to enter the basement door. Then one of the men says girls aren't allowed. The boys from school immediately start laughing and lightly taunting me and are joined in by all four little kids. I feel my face get hot and a lump in my throat as they all walk away from me. I'm embarrassed, humiliated, and seething with anger. The unfairness of it all, having to constantly be expected to babysit these brats, cook clean, do laundry for zero dollars, and not even have a fun Halloween like a normal kid, and now I don't even get a chance to win anything. I want to flip the table over and destroy something. Then I get the idea to take that notebook, which has several pages of boys' contact info in it, and shove it into the sewer drain by the curb. If I can't win a prize, no one will. Just then, another group of about five boys from my boy-heavy street come by and ask what's up. Again, no parents present, because it's the 80s. I take a deep breath and calmly as possible explain about the haunted house, prizes, and writing their info in the notebook, which they all do right away. We hear the group come around the side of the house laughing and bragging that they weren't scared. The men wait till they finish putting their info in the notebook and then start taking the new group back. They don't even notice I'm lagging behind. I grab that notebook and shove it in the sewer drain and get the heck out of there. The next day at school, it seems every boy in my class and maybe the whole school had done the haunted house 
and each one thinks he will be the winner of some prize or another. I have a sense of satisfaction every time I hear them talk about it, because I know there will be no winners, as the notebook is gone, never to be found. To me, it feels like justice, but I tell no one for fear of getting in huge trouble. About a week later, still no winners, and kids have moved on and stopped talking about it. Around mid-morning, our teacher gets called out to the hall to talk to someone for about five minutes and comes back looking wide-eyed and scared or something. Each boy in the class gets called to the office and does not return. As this is happening, the remaining kids have no idea what is happening until one boy, Scott, comes back and tells me everything. Apparently, Jimmy, a kid in the other fifth grade class who was small for his age, but the fastest runner in the whole school, was walking to school that morning and a guy tried to pull him into his car. Jimmy thrashed around wildly and kicked the guy several times as he was trying to pull him in. He eventually got away and ran as fast as he could down an alley and got to his grandmother's house because it was closer than school or his own house, and he knew she'd be home to help him. Jimmy recognized the guy who tried to kidnap him as one, as the one who had the haunted house in the basement apartment. So all the boys in the school are being individually called to the office and questioned by the police. During the questioning, each child mentioned the notebook, and so the police did not want any kids to be home alone, as most of us were after school because in our neighborhood typically both parents worked. The notebook basically gave the men a time frame of when kids would be home alone. When is a good time to contact your parents? Each kid filled out that filled out when a parent would be coming home from work, and the concern was that they'd have a guide of a good time to kidnap boys. When Scott told me all this, I had an immediate sense of dread, and not because I was afraid boys would be, be taken from their home while their parents were at work. I knew they could, that could not happen because they didn't have the notebook, but I was truly afraid I would get in trouble for hiding it. Later, everyone found out that the police had gone to arrest the men, but they were not found. The apartment was searched, and there was no sign of the notebook, but pictures were found. As a teenager, I was finally told the pictures were graphic and included violent child pornography involving young boys. Our whole town was on high alert, and many of us latchkey kids came home to our first babysitter. Ours was a high school student named Sharon, who was the youngest of three girls in her family, and she was wonderful. I slowly got over the nagging fear that the notebook would be fished out of the sewer and my fingerprints identified, and I fully enjoyed my time with her. For once in my life, I was not a servant and second-class citizen to the boys in my house. She was kind to all of us, but she made it clear that I was her favorite. I never got to go to tumbling or gymnastics classes because we didn't have extra money for that, but the first thing Sharon did with us on that first day was teach us all to do cartwheels. My brothers lost interest after that, but she went on to teach me front and back walkovers, back handsprings, aerials, cartwheels with no hands. She painted my nails and French braided my hair. She would talk to me constantly, tell me about her teachers, her classes, friends, boyfriends, and listen intently to whatever grade school or family drama I had, asking questions or offering advice. She was exactly what I needed at that point in my life and I secretly marveled at the series of events that brought her to us. She sat for us She sat for us for close to two years. We got older, and she needed to move on as well. This was pre-internet Facebook, and sadly, I lost touch with her. I knew that she had moved out west and had done some modeling as well as some acting and, well, and doing well. 
Then in my 20s, my mother called me in my apartment to tell me that Sharon had been brutally murdered in her home, stabbed over 30 times by a man she dated only a couple times who had been stalking her. Was that it? That was it. That's horrifying. That was All not a it. good story. No. That's horrifying. <laughs> oh my God. Kidnappings and child porn and murder. Yeah, that's horrible shit. We moved into a new-to-us house six months ago. There are two large bedrooms upstairs and two small bedrooms on the main floor. My husband and I take one of the upstairs bedrooms, and our two-year-old daughter is in the other. Since moving in, she's been a bad sleeper, up several times during the night, sometimes crying, sometimes talking. We put an extra bed in her room and take turns sleeping with her so at least one of us gets a decent night of sleep. The ceiling slope in the bedroom and the only window is at the end of the room. So we have a twin bed on each side of the windows with a six foot space between the beds. Our daughter is very active, walks, talks, crawls, and climbs. One night, it's my turn to sleep with her. She gets into bed with me, lying alongside me. I don't know what time it is, but it's dark outside. Though we get a bit of light from the neighbor's garage through the blinds that don't quite close. Usually, when she talks or gets up, I ignore her. I don't want her to wake up even more. I even keep my eyes closed, lest we make eye contact and it's game on as she's up for the day. But this night, she gets in bed and is still. I'm sleeping on my stomach and she moves, so she's laying on my back. She's a solid two-year-old and quite heavy, so I shift a little to get her to move, but not fall off me. She keeps climbing and putting her arms around my neck. She's cold, but it's a chilly night. And if she climb, if she's climbing on me, then she's not been covered by a blanket. She's very persistent, and this feels like it's going on forever. I'm getting frustrated that she's not just going back to sleep. She's on my back, scooching down and laying on my legs, then back up to my back with her arms around my neck. I finally crack and say, will you please just go to sleep? At which point, my daughter from the other bed across the room asks, what's that, mummy? What? The weight of my back instantly lifts, and I look over to see my daughter sitting up in bed, literally on the other side of the room, looking at me. I take her, and I book it into the main bedroom. The next day, we move her bed to a downstairs bedroom and take turns sleeping on the floor next to her bed. Nothing felt ominous, but somewhat, just somewhat playful, though I'm not eager to experience it again. Oh, (laughs) my God. What the fuck? was that oh my gosh i don't know what i would do oh my god <laughs> what the fuck i would think i would flip out but you know you don't know what you would do if unless you you actually did it but Ew, i didn't like that one that one was bad <laughs> <laughs> so this story is pretty simple but it always struck me i grew up in the thick of southern appalachia i never gave much credence to the old folk tales i heard and there were plenty I met my boyfriend when I was 16. Drugs had saturated our area. To party, we would ride down the mountain in his black Honda Civic, out the several miles of gravel road to the army camp at the river to party. This particular night, there was going to be a meteor shower, and we wanted to see it. We crept through the darkness, down the winding mountain, across the bridge, down the access roads towards the river. I had been there a hundred times. The night felt unreasonably dark, heavy almost. There was no real residence on this road that led right to the waters by the freezing new river. 
I was not really a believer of anything supernatural. I'm still really skeptical. We were rumbling down the road and nothing seemed out of place until we saw it. In the road ahead, a black dog. Not a wolf, but easily just as big. A Great Dane if I'd ever seen one, and I had not, not in real life. There are no residences, nothing around that would make you think that this expensive dog would be on this road. But there it stood in our headlights, and my boyfriend rolled to a stop as we looked at it. It was kind of postured? I don't know. It was illuminated by our headlights, hackles up in a way I'd never really seen. It just stood there. He beeped his horn and started creeping closer to the car. That didn't make sense. He beeped his horn and started creeping closer to the dog, I'm assuming. This dog did not care, was seemingly unconcerned. The closer we got, the more unreasonably unnerved I felt. It was just staring at us, like I could feel its gaze through the windshield until it was practically against the bumper and it was not going to move. We were at a standoff. So my boyfriend went around. He painstakingly cut his wheel, went off the gravel road to go around this unmoving hulk of a black dog. If it was in the middle of the road, we veered to the left of it so that it was on my side as we moved past. I remember how it stared at me. It was so tall that it was eye level with me in the passenger seat. I remember begging him to hurry past because there was this awful feeling that it was aware of my discomfort. I'll never forget staring into its shock yellow eyes right at eye level as we veered around. It stared at me unmoving, unbothered. Then we just rolled around it. Its head didn't move. It didn't adjust its gaze as we continued. It disappeared into the inky darkness of the road, and I felt so cold, so upset. We got to the river, and I refused to leave the car. I had this unmistakable feeling that that thing was still out there, just beyond the trees, somewhere out in that pitch black. There was a meteor shower that night, and I barely watched it through the car's sunroof, because all I felt was that gaze, those horrible yellow eyes. It was still out there. I never liked going back to the river after that. I can't even describe the sense of dread, the feeling of a thing being so out of place. I never saw it again, though. But I'll never forget it. I never knew something that seemed so common. It was just a dog. could make me feel such deep dread, such palpable unease. Even now, thinking of those eyes makes my throat tighten. I feel like I saw the devil that night. It's so weird. Yeah. That is weird. And that's all I got. Okay. I have... Uh, they asked what was the strangest thing that's ever happened to you. Okay. It says, I walked by a kitchen store with my three-year-old. He points to the door and says, I want the robot. I'm confused. Peeking in, it's just kitchen stuff. We go in anyway. He zigzags to the back of the store in a town we'd never been in before. Picks up a wooden robot toy. Freak me the fuck out. What? They just walked by the store and this kid was like, I want that robot. And he walked all the way to the back of the store like, and picked up this robot. Huh. Like he saw it, but that's weird. Yeah. One time I looked in a mirror for a split second and didn't recognize the person looking back at me. I blinked and it was me again. Very unnerving. Fucking mirrors. I'm telling you. (laughs) I woke up from a nap to go pee. The last thing I remember is peeing. I woke up sometime later slumped in the bathtub. I don't remember feeling weird or anything. Just one minute I was peeing, the next waking up in the bathtub. Obviously I passed out and fell backwards into the tub, but I have zero recollection or how long I was in there. That is weird. That is weird. That's kind of like what happened to me, though, when I passed out. 
Yeah. The first time, I've passed out a few times in my life, and but this time was like I, I didn't remember it, and I woke up in my bed, like a half hour, forty five minutes later. This is weird. I've never passed out. Really? Mm-hmm. I have three times. I almost passed out once when mommy was taking stitches out of my back. Oh. Because I was standing up when she was doing oh. it. Oh. But that's it. Huh. Interesting. Next one, there was a hill where I used to live. At 11 to 13 years old, I had a habit of sitting on that hill for a good 30 minutes at night. I was an odd kid. I liked the peace and quiet. And in the busy household I lived in, sitting to watch the night sky was pretty much the only way I got it. I sat there one night for about 30 minutes and was getting ready to leave when I heard someone say, beautiful night we're having, isn't it? I took a moment to respond, but eventually said, yes, it is. I sat there for 10 more minutes trying to elicit another response to no avail. I know it was my mind making it up, probably because that's what I wanted to hear, but still very trippy to think about. That's strange. strange. Next one. A few times I've had things break when going to pick pick them up. Glasses have smashed just, just as I touched it and has happened with a plate borderline thinking i have superpowers <laughs> it's almost like they give off a like a some kind of vibration yeah. or something yeah interesting when i was 10 or 11 years old i was playing with a yo-yo and the line of it broke and went straight to the door and vanished after looking for a while i opened the door and it was in the middle of the room there was no possible way it could have gotten in there the door was solid wood and it was locked I still think about it every now and then. That's weird. That is so weird. So the end with the, the actual yo-yo went through the door? Yeah. Ooh, that's weird. Yeah. One night I was laying half awake in bed when I felt water droplets hit my chest and face. It wasn't raining. Windows were closed. No ceiling leaks. I turned my flashlight on and could clearly see water drops on my arm and on the floor near the bed. I turned on the light and frantically started looking for a source of water with no success. I told my mom, who thought I was crazy, and my sister, who does believe in ghosts, and she was spooked. Never did I find an explanation for the water drops, nor did it ever happen again. Hmm. That's weird. Interesting. Yeah. I was watching a football game with some other people in my dorm's common area. During a commercial break, the TV suddenly goes black, and a deep voice says, Humans. A few seconds later, the commercial resumes. We all kind of looked at each other, clearly freaked out. <laughs> what the heck? That's so weird. Right? Is that like some kind of aliens? Uh, maybe. Got something with the transmission? I don't know. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, when I was little, we used to visit my great-grandmother's house, big two-story plantation home, acres of fields passed down for generations. At the edge of the front porch, there were two massive rose bushes with a little cement walkway that let you walk around them and up to the porch. Every time I went over there, I'd go play by the bushes and would get lost in them. I'm talking and walking in circles for hours on end, surrounded by roses, like that one scene in a movie, Spirited Away. I don't know. It never really scared me, but eventually I'd wind back up at the house by the small pond out front, ready to go inside. I've never said anything about it growing up because it just seemed like something a kid would think up, 
but I mentioned it jokingly to my mom in high school when we were talking about how creepy that house was, and she mentioned experiencing the same thing, as did her older brother. Apparently all the kids that have grown up there have experienced it over the years. I still think about that place a lot. I'd love to be able to go back someday. Did that make sense to you? Not really. They were walking around a house that had a bunch of roses? I guess they would get lost in the bushes? I don't know. Next one. (laughs) As my husband laid in our hotel bed, his eyes rolled up, his body shook violently, and he started speaking to me in Spanish, even though he only knows English. I wasn't a believer of the paranormal, but it was then I was sure he was possessed. Uh, yeah. That's creepy. What the fuck? I was home alone looking after my parents' house farm for a week while they were on holiday. One of the things I was required to do was feed chickens, and my mom had three big drums, one of feed and two of grain. Every day I would go and fill the bucket half of feed and half with grain. I'd always took the grain from the bin nearest to the door because it was closer and I'm lazy. On about day four, I walk in, fill the bucket, half a feed, open the bin to get the grain, and it's empty. I just stood there for 30 seconds trying to figure out how the fuck it could be empty and where the murderer who was fucking with me was hiding. After 30 seconds, I decided I was safe, probably, walked very cautiously to the other side of the barn and opened the second bin of grain. It was about three-fourths of the way full. I fed the chickens and hid the fuck in the house. Next day, I wake up, do it again, fill the bucket with feed, go to get the grain from the far bin, and holy Jesus, it's fucking empty too. Wondering what I should do, I started to leave, only to notice as I leave that the bin by the door has the lid slightly off and I can see that it's full. When my parents got home at the end of the week, I mentioned this to my mom, and she looks at me strangely and tells me that only one of the bins ever had grain in it, the one beside the door, which means that someone must have come in on day four and switched the goddamn bins, then came back that night and switched them back again for the next morning. That or I'm going crazy. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. That was my last one. Huh. Okay. Time for the witty wrap-up. Yeah, I did funny tweets. Okay. My daughter keeps exclaiming, what in tarnation, when something surprises her. It's cute, but a little like living with a third grade Yosemite Sam. Well, yeah. Where else would she have gotten that? Yeah, I mean. It has to be Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Five-year-old. Dad, don't read my journal. It's private. The journal entry. I love zebras. That is definitely private. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) What happens to your bladder when you die? And other pressing questions from my (laughs) six-year-old. Me, go back to bed. School was canceled because of hazardous road conditions. Kids, then why are you leaving? Me, (laughs) work doesn't care if you die. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? My daughter is taking a bath and asking me to bring her camping Barbie, and every time I present a Barbie to her, she says, no, camping Barbie. She's growing frustrated. I don't know what to do. All the Barbies are naked. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) They all look the same with no clothes. They do. Maybe the hair colors. Yeah. (laughs) 
My wife and I didn't renew our vows, but we did solve our third grader's math problem together. Aw, yeah, killing it. <laughs> Apparently, my seven-year-old was playing with her Barbies next to the glass of bourbon my husband left out last night, and a masterpiece was born. I can't tell if Barbie is hitting a low point or is an inspiration to us all. And there's a picture with a Barbie holding, um, what's the, the little oh, kid? Oh, shot glass? What's, no, the little kid Barbie. Skipper. Oh, yeah. There's a adult Barbie holding Skipper next to a tumbler of whiskey. <laughs> and it looks like a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Asking my daughter how she got to be so dramatic and then remembering how I cried when the grocery store stopped carrying my favorite rosé. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder where she gets it from. <laughs> Due to my 14-year-old getting braces, I will be forfeiting my retirement and will also be starting an OnlyFans <laughs> where it's just pictures of my beard with the day's worth of crumbs in it. <laughs> <laughs> Having teens is fun because they demand their independence, but then turn right around and ask you for $20. <laughs> yep. Congrats on your baby sleeping through the night. My seven-year-old wakes up every hour because she needs a drink or needs the bathroom or because she misses me, so don't get too used to it. <laughs> That's sweet. You'll miss that. You'll miss that one day. Yeah. When they're asking you for 20 freaking dollars. <laughs> My six-year-old told me he's excited for tomorrow because it's the day all the groundhogs come out of the ground, and I don't know whether that sounds adorable or horrifying. <laughs> That would be all of them? Yeah, that would be horrifying. (laughs) My son texted me this morning and told me he had left his laptop behind. I replied, too bad, learned some responsibility. And then we laughed and laughed and I got into the car and dropped it off at the school for him. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Folded up a rival dad stroller for him in front of a bunch of moms today. (laughs) Every time my teen says things like, I can't tell the difference between Nirvana and Pearl Jam, they both sound the same. A little piece of me dies. Yeah. Did something wrong there. Oh, well, that was my last one. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening. Send in your stories. We need them. Podcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.